Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT. WSBTradio.com. The free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. On 960 AM WSBT, a live stream is rolling right now at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. My name is Darren Pritchett. Wonderful to have you with me on this Friday, September the 9th of 2022. We are on the eve of the Notre Dame football home opener. The Fighting Irish set to take on the thundering herd of Marshall. Kickoff tomorrow at 2.30. Busy day here on WSBT radio surrounding that game. Our game day coverage begins at 8 a.m. of the replay of the Marcus Freeman radio show. Then at 9 o'clock, the Legacy Heating and Air game day show with Tim Growl and Jim Irizarry. That's a Notre Dame interview-based program. Then we go X's and O's for the next two and a half hours from 11 until 1.30. Blue and Gold Illustrated's Notre Dame football beat reporter Tyler Horka will join me live from Notre Dame Stadium to talk all things Fighting Irish. Again, kickoff at 2.30. And then Jim returns with Reggie Brooks for the official Notre Dame football postgame show after the game, only on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hope you have a terrific weekend. For those of you from out of town, in town to watch the Fighting Irish, welcome back to South Bend and welcome to Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Great to have you on board as you cruise around on this Friday afternoon. All right, just to set the stage for tonight, we have South Bend Cubs baseball back on WSBT Radio tonight. South Bend at Cedar Rapids. Pre-game at 7.15, first pitch at 7.35. I am going to be on 96.1 The Ton tonight at 7 o'clock, broadcasting the Mishawaka Caveman football game 
at Goshen. Pre-game will start at 6.45 again. Opening kickoff right at 7 o'clock on our sister station. 96-1 the ton. Really looking forward to calling Coach Kender's football team that's off to a 3-0 start so far this year. Coming up on the program this evening, we're going to jam a lot into a short amount of time. Our next segment, we'll have our Twitter question of the day in the My Five. Also later on, NFL preseason predictions. I made those before Buffalo annihilated the L.A. Rams in the second half last night out in Los Angeles. Wow, Buffalo really, really looked good in the second half. And had they not turned the ball over in the first half, they probably would have looked dominant in the first half as well. Later on this hour, we will also get to a soundbite from Marcus Freeman's first radio show last night, heard on WSBT Radio. Next hour, the Notre Dame offense will want to make a big jump this Saturday. We'll have a discussion about that. We're going to bring back my conversation from Labor Day with Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated about the Ohio State loss. And we'll have maybe time for some sports wagering. Not sure we'll get to it today. It might be on the back burner for a little while. So we are all set to go. Budweiser's weekday sports beat brought to you by Budweiser. The King of Beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. By South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Tim Ground State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. September is Hunger Action Month. How you choose to help end hunger? Learn more at feedindiana.org. By Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook Family Business, Pet Refuge. Urging you to adopt, don't shop for new beginnings, have happy endings, and Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape, must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. The first pitch of the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Let's see if we can jam in several pitches here in our opening segment for Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on this Friday. We will begin with a Sports Beat Friday tradition during the Notre Dame football season. It is the advantage game. We take six parts of Notre Dame's game and try to figure out which team has the advantage when this takes place. Notre Dame 0-1, Marshall 1-0. They beat Norfolk State at home last week, 55 So let's run through some of the particulars. We'll start with Marshall running the football. Now, Marshall ran all over Norfolk State. Maybe that's the way you probably should do against Norfolk State. But, hey, they could have struggled and put up no numbers. But offensively, they were good all around. But Notre Dame's defense has something to prove. Can they close out a football game stopping the run? Hopefully, Marshall will be throwing a lot in the fourth quarter, and you don't have to worry about it. But you know what I mean. Against Ohio State, they were so good for three quarters stopping the run. Then the physicality of Ohio State took over, and that 95-yard touchdown drive was a game clincher for the Buckeyes. So even though Marshall ran it outstanding last week, 
I still believe Notre Dame's run defense is well above average. It's somewhere between well above average and championship level. We'll see how the season plays out in this area. But I think Notre Dame can be really good in this area when you've got Adam Iola, Lacey, Cross. You've got those big interior defensive linemen that can clog things up. So I'm going to give the advantage to Notre Dame when Marshall runs the football. When Marshall throws the football, I'm still giving the advantage to Notre Dame. They were highly efficient last week against Norfolk State. But you take a look at what the Irish secondary was able to accomplish without any help from the pass rush. There is very limited pressure on C.J. Stroud. Tariq Bracey was outstanding against the Buckeyes. Cam Hart got picked on a little bit in the ball game. I think Clarence Lewis held his own. You had the two freshmen in there, Morrison and Mickey. I think the pass rush is going to be much better today with the drop-off in competition. The secondary play continues to be very good. Advantage Notre Dame when Marshall throws the football. Next up in our advantage game, we now turn to the Notre Dame offense. And when the Fighting Irish run the football, yes, they do call some running plays. We found that out last week. Probably a much more balanced attack this week as against Ohio State, 30 rushes and 18 passes. In this ballgame, I think Notre Dame is going to be able to control the line of scrimmage against Marshall. I think the run game will be highly effective. I know they want to establish the passing game, but Audric Estime and the rushing attack is going to be very, very good in this ballgame. I'm giving a big, big check mark to Notre Dame when they run the football against Marshall. The next category in the advantage game, when Notre Dame throws the football. I believe Tyler Buckner is a guy that can throw the football very effectively on the run. He is developing as a pocket passer at this time. I think he has an outstanding All-American tight end to throw to and a very solid number two in Kevin Bauman. He has a number one wide receiver in Lorenzo Styles, And then from there, I think we have a lot of question marks. Despite Styles being the best wide receiver on this team, he was only targeted two times last week. Was not involved in the running game. That really has to change for this offense to evolve. When Notre Dame throws it, I think they will be okay. I'm not going to say dominant, but I give the slight advantage to Notre Dame. Special teams, just based on what John Sott did last week, punting the football 46 yards per punt, only one of the eight punts returned for four yards. Field goal was made. Kickoff returns was lousy against Ohio State. Still going to give the advantage to Notre Dame when it comes to special teams. And intangibles, Notre Dame better be ticked off. You have to run the table just to have a chance to be in the playoff. Your mulligan's gone. You lost to Ohio State. It's the home opener. These guys beg Jack Swarbrick for Marcus Freeman to be their head coach. Jack Swarbrick selected Marcus Freeman. This is Marcus's first home game as head coach. I would hope the football team that wanted him so desperately will put that much into this game trying to get him his first victory in his first home game. Intangibles. Go to the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Let's just give you a couple of game predictions for this Notre Dame-Marshall game. I think Notre Dame will score first. Probably if they win the coin toss, they'll put their defense on the field, but Notre Dame will score first in the game, and I think 
This might be a game that starts off a little slow. May not be a lot of scoring in the first quarter. I think Notre Dame gets going in the second quarter offensively. They'll have the lead at halftime. I've got Notre Dame rushing the football 50 times for 222 yards. That's 4.5 yards per carry. My prediction is Audric Estime will have the most carries and the most yards. I have him 17 rushes for 107 yards and two touchdowns. I have Chris Tyree 10 carries for 54 yards. Notre Dame throwing the football. Tyler Buckner, 18 of 27 for 268 yards. I have him throwing two touchdown passes with an interception. His top target will be Michael Mayer. Hey, that's not a shock. That's a pretty easy prediction. I have the All-American tight end, seven receptions, 76 yards, and a touchdown. And Lorenzo Styles, personally, I like to see bigger numbers than this, but this is my guess. Four catches, 61 yards, and he'll have a touchdown. I've got Marshall not doing a whole lot rushing-wise. 21 carries for 89 yards, just barely over four yards per carry. And I have them as a 50% passing team, 21 of 42 for 231 yards with a touchdown. My projection for Notre Dame's leading tackler is J.D. Bertrand. I have him for eight tackles in the ballgame. We continue with our game predictions. We move now to a little Las Vegas conversation. The spread, Notre Dame is favored by 20 and a half points. That's at minus 110. Of course, you get Marshall at plus 20 and a half at minus 110. Right now, I'm actually leaning toward a game prediction that's just under 20 and a half. I've kind of went back and forth a little bit on Notre Dame's score. So right now, I have Notre Dame winning by 18. So I guess I'm taking Marshall plus 20 and a half. Total points, 51 and a half. My score prediction right now adds up to 50. So I would go under 51 and a half at minus 110. And my final score prediction I have Notre Dame 34, Marshall 16. I'm still thinking this is going to be a run-oriented offense despite wanting to open it up a little bit. You've got a defensive head coach that wants his defense put in good positions. You want to avoid those interceptions. So I still think running game will be a factor, maybe take away a possession or two from each team. That's why I have Notre Dame at 34 points. So those are some game predictions for this Notre Dame-Marshall game that kicks off at 2.30 on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Last night, first-year head coach Marcus Freeman was a part of his first-ever radio coaches show, and it's going to air every Thursday at 7 o'clock during the Notre Dame football season right here on WSBT Radio, hosted by Tony Simeone. Give a listen. Here's a few moments of the Marcus Freeman show from last night as they talk about Notre Dame's 21-10 loss to Ohio State. Coach, excited to have you along for this year. This game you guys had in Columbus, it's all we talked about for eight months. I know you guys didn't get the result that you wanted, but how did you assess the way your team competed in the horseshoe? Well, I was extremely proud of their effort, um, the way they they really competed the entire game. Um, I was proud of our coaches and the way they prepared our players. You know, when you look at the game and really for about three quarters, we it was a ball game. We were it was we were up ten to seven with sixteen seconds or fifteen seconds. 
the third quarter and uh, you know we didn't finish the way we wanted to but I was I was really happy with the foundation this team has built. I'm always curious about a locker room after a game like that as the head coach you know what's your message to them and what was the demeanor like of the team after the game? It's never easy. Um, those guys are competitors. We all are competitors and when you don't get the outcome that you aspire to to achieve, then um, there's not many words that you can say to make anybody feel better. But um, I told him I was proud of him. I told him my honest assessment was we didn't finish the game the way we needed to. Um, it wasn't a lack of effort. It wasn't a lack of um, energy. It was just a lack of execution. And uh, um, and that we have to move forward. You know that that we never said it was going to be easy. We all have goals, and and these goals are going to be really hard to achieve. But that's why we've all chose Notre Dame, and uh, we look forward to continue this climb. Had eight months to prepare your message to the team before they ran out in the horseshoe. I'm curious, what was your message before your team ran out? Well, I think one thing we've been hitting is it's 53 and a third by 120, and and that's what matters is that. The execution in between those white lines is really what's going to dictate the outcome of this game, and it's what did. And uh, again, I love their focus. Um, they were fired up. It wasn't anything I needed to say to get them fired up. It was really to, for them to understand it's just one play at a time. We say it all the time, one play, one life. And uh, continue to put all your effort and, and emotions and energy into this play, but as soon as this play's over, you've got to move on to the next one. And so um, that's kind of the message as we got ready to take the field. It wasn't go win one for the Gipper speech. Um, <laughs> they were fired up. It was more focused on what it's going to take to win this game. You know, short of a touchdown on the first play, I thought your offense got you about as good of a start as it could have asked for. Tyler Buckner stood in there, took a hit on a corner blitz, and you guys picked up 54 yards on the first play of the game. What'd you see on that play, and what were you happy with offensively on the first drive? Yeah, they, they brought a corner pressure. Um, they brought the boundary corner there to, to, to bring some pressure to start the game. And, and again, there, Tyler stood in there and, and took a shot. He took a shot, which ultimately was a penalty. And, and Zoe uh, made somebody miss, which is, again, you got a chance as a, as a skill position athlete to, to make somebody miss. You got to make a miss. And he took it down. And, and I started holding my breath, just making sure that hold the ball, hold on to the ball. Ball security matters because I knew somebody from behind was going to try to knock it out. But that gave us a great confidence builder as we, we started moving forward and ultimately made a field goal. Blake Groupie did a great job of, of making that field goal and got the game going. I want to ask you about Blake because, of course, Jonathan Doerr is here for so many years and he made some big kicks for this team. But to get Blake out on the field, get one under his belt early, how big was that for you guys just to know, okay, our kicker's ready and he's settled into this season? You know, I think that was a huge confidence builder not for Blake. Blake's a confident kid, okay. but really for us as a coaching staff and our team to say, okay, Blake's the, Blake's ready to go no matter what the stage is. And, and um, he did a great job. And, and we decided to punt late in the game. I can't remember what quarter it was, but we were in plus territory, but I wanted to win the battle of field position. So we decided to punt um, instead of go for a 50 plus yard field goal. And I remember him coming up to me like, coach, whatever's best for the team, but just know I can make that. And I said, all right, Blake. So he doesn't lack confidence, but I think that kick helped everybody have more confidence in him. I want to ask you about the defensive side of the ball, of course. First couple series you guys are out there, you look phenomenal. And coming into this game, everyone knew about all the weapons on the Ohio State side of the ball. So those first couple of drives when you guys were really successful, what did you see and what were you happy with as far as the game plan being executed out there in the first few series? Yeah, I thought they did a great job of just staying poised. And, and Ohio State hit a couple passes, got a PI. They, they gained a little bit of yards, and they were still poised. And they were able to continue to tackle and continue to execute, um, you know, and give them different looks defensively in the pass game, you know. And I think that was something that Coach Golden, our defensive staff, did a great job of having a game plan with different looks uh, and coverage. 
And so um, I was really pleased with with the way we played um, for the majority of the game. And obviously those last two series, we didn't tackle, we didn't execute the way um, that we had been doing most of the game. But um, it's something to build from. And uh, I love the start that we had. Marcus Freeman, his first radio show last night here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. You'll get a recap of the Marshall game coming up Thursday at 7 o'clock with the next Marcus Freeman show on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. It's a fact. Some vehicles just work harder than others. That's why. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel one by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chased by Gamble. 20, 10. What a run. Touchdown. Spectacular run. Here's the fake. Meyer looking. Meyer finding the other tight end. Irv Smith touchdown. Five fire rocket touchdown. Irish. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. All right, football fans, welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on this Friday. Darren Pritchett with you. Hey, Irish fans, you've got a packed stadium for tomorrow's game against Marshall. Notre Dame announced earlier today that Marcus Freeman's first game as head coach inside of Notre Dame Stadium is a sellout. So that's great news, and hopefully the Irish can take care of business and that long-awaited first victory for Coach Freeman. 2.30 kickoff tomorrow. All the action on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Pre-game coverage starting at 8 a.m. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Each weekday I post a Twitter question of the day on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat this time of the year. It is normally Notre Dame football related. That was the case yesterday. Thursday's question. What is most likely to happen Saturday when Notre Dame hosts Marshall? I gave you four choices. The Irish would throw 28 or more passes. They would rush for over 200 yards. They would score more than 44 points or they would allow 10 points or fewer. You have voted. Here are the results coming in fourth place, 15.5% of the vote. Notre Dame scoring more than 44 points. I'm not sure there's going to be enough possessions in this game to get that done unless Notre Dame is highly efficient when they get the ball, they're scoring touchdowns. Third in the voting, 28-plus pass attempts by the Fighting Irish. Well, I had a segment. Just a couple of moments ago where I predicted Tyler Buckner's stat line, 18 of 27. Now that does not include maybe Drew Pine coming in and throwing a couple of passes if Notre Dame has control of the football game. 17.2% believe the Irish will throw it a whole lot more this weekend, over 28 attempts. Second place in the voting, the Notre Dame defense stingy once again, allowing 10 or fewer points. That got 20.7% of the vote and winning our vote yesterday with 46.6 percent the Irish are going to rush for over 200 yards I have them for 222 yards in the ball game so I will vote for that as well I'll say this about Marshall you know, last couple of years they've been very competitive at the very least against power five conference teams let's see how they handle a top 10 football team 
at Notre Dame Stadium tomorrow. So, rush for 200 yards, the most likely event of tomorrow's Notre Dame Marshall game, according to you, the Irish fan, on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. Here is today's question. We mix in a little wagering into the Twitter question of the day. What outright wagering combo will play out for Notre Dame versus Marshall? Now, last week we did this for Ohio State, and the majority got it right. Notre Dame was the team that covered, but Ohio State won the game. That won the vote. Let's see what happens this week. A reminder, Notre Dame is favored by 20 and a half points. So here are your three choices. Notre Dame wins the game outright, and Notre Dame covers the 20 and a half points, so they have to win by 21 points to win. Choice number two, Notre Dame wins the game outright, but Marshall keeps the game within less than 21 points. Or you can look at it this way, Marshall right now is ahead 20 and a half to nothing, so if that transpires and they lose by less than 20 and a half, Marshall covers. That's choice number two. And the third selection is Marshall shocking the world and winning the game outright, which means, of course, they cover. So what outright wagering combination will play out for Notre Dame Marshall? Notre Dame wins outright and Notre Dame covers 20 and a half. Notre Dame wins, but Marshall covers or Marshall pulls off the upset. We'd love for you to vote. Check out my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. And we'll come back on Monday as we recap the Notre Dame Marshall game. And we will pass along the results and we'll see if our listeners got it right two weeks in a row. Again, Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. One question, five answers. This is the My 5 Question of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. All right, today's question, the top five ways I believe the Notre Dame-Marshall game will play out tomorrow at Notre Dame Stadium. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. I'm going to say the game's going to be a little low scoring early. Then Notre Dame takes charge of the game offensively early in the second quarter. I expect the Notre Dame defense to be really, really good in the first half. Offensively, I guess I'm a little hesitant based on the reluctance to throw the football a lot last week. While I understand what they were trying to do by milking the clock, I thought there were some obvious passing situations that they didn't do so. Kind of need to see it. Marcus Freeman says we're going to be more aggressive, and I believe that they will be more aggressive. But will things click right away? Will the offensive line be in sync? Jared Patterson expected to return from his foot injury to start at left guard. Nice when you add an All-American to your lineup, which the Irish should do tomorrow, barring something unexpected happening with the injury. So I'm going to say it's going to start off a little slow, and Notre Dame's offense will get better as the day goes on. So I'm expecting a low-scoring first quarter. Then things get rolling. Again, I pick Notre Dame to win the game by a score of 34-16. to So I'm just expecting the Irish, their ability to run the football is going to be very helpful to their offense and maybe minimize the possessions for each team. Four! Number four, Notre Dame 
will be able to get pressure on the quarterback, something they did not do last week against Ohio State. All-American in the preseason, Isaiah Foskey was very quiet in that game. Now, granted, there are times he gets double-teamed, and when that happens, other defensive linemen have to win their one-on-ones in order to make the other team pay. I think the Irish will make Marshall pay in this football game. I think they will pick up a couple of sacks in this ballgame, but sacks aren't everything. Quarterback hurries, quarterback pressures can be highly effective in forcing that quarterback to throw the ball early, throwing it inaccurately, get pressure in his face, good things will happen. Okay, okay, Uh, number three. I think the Irish will run the ball effectively. I have them going over 200 rushing yards in the ballgame. I think Audric Estime is a tough challenge for Marshall with his physicality and speed combination. Chris Tyree getting to the outside can be something that can be hard on any defense. Again, I'd like to see Lindsey and Styles figure out ways to get them extra touches, and maybe they take a, a jet sweep, get the ball in their hands a little more often. But I think this is going to be a good day for the Irish running the football. Of course, Tyler Buckner always a factor from the quarterback position. Number two. Lorenzo Styles, my guy. Let's get him a few more targets slash touches. Only two targets in the Ohio State game. First play of the game. Corner blitz. Buckner stands in, takes it, fires it to the near side, and Styles goes 54 yards for a first down. Only targeted one other time. Now, to be fair, only 18 total passes in the game. But this is your number one wide receiver. You got that great speed. Bubble screen, rocket screen, something. Get him the football and allow him to make a play. He's a guy that needs to see a handful of touches every single game. And what a perfect day to start tomorrow against Marshall. Number one. And we'll just kind of close things off with a number I gave earlier. My final score prediction, if I'm right, the game starts off a little low scoring. And Notre Dame is going to run the football, controlling the clock a little bit. I think Notre Dame will win this game by 18. I have them beating Marshall 34-16. to I'll say Marshall scores one touchdown in the competitive nature of the game and then one late in the fourth quarter, making the score a little closer than possibly expected. But I'll take Notre Dame 34-16 in this particular matchup. Looking forward to Notre Dame-Marshall tomorrow at 2.30, and I'll have a complete recap of everything Notre Dame Marshall Monday at 5 o'clock on Sportsbeat. That includes a live interview with the Notre Dame football beat reporter for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, Tyler Horka, who will join me tomorrow from 11 until 1.30 on Game Day Sportsbeat, powered by Michelob Ultra. All right, coming up in a couple of moments, we'll get to some NFL Preseason predictions. These were made before Buffalo destroyed the Rams last night. I promise. I have the email dating to show I did it before yesterday's game. So I'm not jumping on any bandwagons or jumping off any bandwagons. This were my picks before that game last night. So we'll get to that coming up in a couple of moments here on WSBT Radio. 
You can listen to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. We leave Notre Dame football and college football conversation for one segment as we spend a little time on the start of the National Football League season. What a start last night. 10-10 at halftime. Buffalo and the Rams out in Los Angeles. Josh Allen and the Bills said, all right, enough of this. See you later. 31-10 Bills over the Rams as the favorites to win Super Bowl 57 beat the team that won Super Bowl 56 just a few months ago, the L.A. Rams. So we've got some NFL predictions to get to. Again, I made these before last night's ball game. So away we go with some predictions for the start of the NFL season. We'll start in the National Football Conference. In the NFC East, Washington will be the last place team. They have Carson Wentz now. Guh. Third place, the New York Football Giants, the G-Men still have Daniel Jones. They've got a better offensive line, a healthy Saquon Barkley, but still a lot of work to be done. The Dallas Cowboys have an offensive line that may be a problem and an aging Ezekiel Elliott. I've got them second, and the Philadelphia Eagles, with the addition of A.J. Brown, will win the NFC East. We now go to the NFC North. I have the Chicago Bears in fourth place. I still think the rebuild has a ways to go. Justin Fields at least has a fighting chance with an offensive coordinator that will give him a game plan that uses his strengths. That's a positive. But I have the Bears fourth. I have the Detroit Lions coming in third place in the NFC North. I have Green Bay finally falling out of the top spot. I'm just concerned about the wide receiver position, the weapons Aaron Rodgers has around him. And I'm going to say the Minnesota Vikings eke out the Green Bay Packers, and Minnesota ends the Packers' run by winning the NFC North. Wow, I'm betting on Kirk Cousins. That's not a good feeling. NFC South, Atlanta will come in fourth place. Marcus Mariota, now their quarterback. Desmond Ritter waiting in the wings. I have the Carolina Panthers led by Baker Mayfield in third. Boy, if they could ever keep running back Christian McCaffrey healthy for majority of the season, they would look a lot better. I've got Tampa Bay second. Their offensive line is absolutely banged up in front of the Hall of Famer Tom Brady. Tampa Bay will still be good, but maybe not as good as they could be with all the injuries. And I've got the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, with Jameis Winston. Really good defense. They've got a lot of weapons on the offensive side of the football for Winston. Saints win the NFC South. NFC West. I have Seattle coming in last place as they're going through a major rebuild. Arizona's in the wrong division. A really good football team. I have them third. The L.A. Rams coming in second place. I had them second even before last night because I think San Francisco with their defense, offensive line, The weapons on the offensive side of the football. Yeah, they have Trey Lance. I think he will settle in at midseason, become more of a factor. I have the 49ers taking the NFC West. So in the NFC playoffs, I have San Francisco 
as the number one seed. They get the bye. Then I've got Minnesota as the two, New Orleans three, Philadelphia four, the L.A. Rams with the top wild card team at five, Tampa Bay six, and Green Bay seven. Now we move to the American Football Conference, the AFC East. Good luck to everybody dealing with Buffalo. The Jets are getting better, but not quick enough. They'll finish last. New England looked shaky in the preseason. Mac Jones, I just don't know if it's going to work. New England in third place. I think Miami's going to be a really good football team, but not as good as Buffalo. So Miami second and Buffalo first. AFC North was tough. There's a lot of different combinations in play here. With Deshaun Watson sitting for most of the year, Cleveland will finish fourth in the AFC North. Pittsburgh has never finished below 8-8 eight and eight under Mike Tomlin. They'll figure out a way to get to 8-8 eight and eight or maybe a hair better. Marcus, or I'm sorry, Mitchell Trubisky will start at quarterback for the Steelers at least early on until Kenny Pickett is ready. I've got the defending AFC champ Cincinnati coming in second place, and I have the Baltimore Ravens. With Lamar Jackson, didn't get a contract done today. That's a concern. Hopefully it does not affect him, distract him. I have Baltimore winning the AFC North. One thing about Cincinnati, a lot of tough road games. Check out their schedule. AFC South, the Houston Texans, led by Lovey Smith, will finish fourth. I think you'll see Trevor Lawrence look like a different quarterback this year. He's got a good head coach to help him offensively get better. Jacksonville third, but a much improved team. Tennessee without A.J. Brown, boy, they're just not very exciting looking. I've got them second, and I'm going in on Matt Ryan, helping this football team get over the hump. The Colts win the AFC South. In the AFC West, this is just brutal. Las Vegas is a good football team. I have them fourth. Russell Wilson becomes Denver's quarterback. This is a team that can win over 10 games but finish third in the AFC West. Justin Herbert probably is going to explode this year. With all the defensive help they got in free agency, Chargers in second, but the AFC West still belongs to Kansas City. My AFC playoffs, Buffalo, the number one seed, they get the bye. Kansas City, two. The three seed is Baltimore. Indianapolis, four. And then the wild cards are the Chargers, the Dolphins, and the Broncos. And in Super Bowl 57, February 12th at State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona, Buffalo versus San Francisco and the Bills winning a nail-biter 31-30. Sports Beat brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. By South Bend Orthopedics, Tim Growl State Farm Insurance, Midland Engineering Company, the Mishawaka Education Foundation, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Legacy Heating and Air, Pet Refuge, and Four Winds Casinos. Sports Center update coming up in just a couple of moments, and then we'll get to the 6 o'clock hour. We'll talk Notre Dame offense next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Touchdown, Chris Tyree! Yes! 98 yards! On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wide open, touchdown Notre Dame! Lorenzo Styles. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Our Friday installment of Budweiser's weekday sports beat rolls on from 960 AM WSBT. 
streaming live at WSBTradio.com and the WSBT radio app. My name is Darren Pritchett. We have Mishawaka Cayman football coming up on our sister station, 96.1 The Ton. Pre-game coverage at 6.45. The opening kickoff at 7 o'clock. I'll actually have the call of tonight's game as Mishawaka, the second-ranked team in Class 5A, 3-0 on the season, 1-0 in the NLC, will visit Goshen. We've got Notre Dame football against Marshall tomorrow at 2.30 here on WSBT Radio. A reminder, our pregame coverage starts at 8 a.m. The day ends with the official Notre Dame football postgame show, all in one spot, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, the Notre Dame offense is going to want to make a big jump in their effectiveness tomorrow compared to where they were last Saturday against Ohio State. Now, to be fair, the offensive game plan was generic, conservative. They wanted to run the ball. They wanted to keep the ball away from Ohio State's offense. Marcus Freeman has said that numerous times. That was the plan going in. As we look at the offense, hopefully the biggest jump in quality of play will come from the Fighting Irish offensive line. Against Ohio State, it was Joe Alt at left tackle, Andrew Krusafik at left guard, Zeke Carell at center, Josh Lugg at right guard, and Blake Fisher at right tackle. Jared Patterson, the All-American offensive guard, missed last week's game with a right foot sprain. He worked out before the game but could not go. But everything is looking really good for tomorrow's game. Yesterday, Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman said that Patterson had practiced all week. And barring something happening unforeseen, Patterson will be a go for the matchup against Marshall. So Kristoffic was a little overmatched physically in that game against Ohio State. That will not be the case with Patterson back at left guard and a big difference, of course, in the level of competition. The offensive line allowed three sacks last week. And the running game, which was supposed to be the key, to allow them to have a chance to win the football game. 30 rushes for 76 yards, 2.5 yards per carry. Here is Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman on Patterson and the offensive line. We are expecting him to play on Saturday unless something crazy happens in the next 48 hours. But um, he's had a good week of practice. Um, The offensive line group has has had a really good week. Um, They're challenged. You know, they um, were not happy um, with their overall performance from the Ohio State game. And, and it's a group that has some older guys, you know, with, with, with Lug, Josh Lug and, and Jay Pat and, uh, you know, some guys that have played football that um, take a lot of pride in their performance. And uh, Zeke Carell obviously being an older guy, too. And so, you know, the two tackles, um, you know, Joe and Blake um, are continuing to follow their lead. And so they take a lot of pride in in their performance. And they've had a great week of practice. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing them play on Saturday. Well, we just mentioned the importance of the run game to this Notre Dame football team. Also, you have to be able to stop the run. Doing those two things, controlling the line of scrimmage, gives you an opportunity to be a great football team. I mentioned the 30 rushes for 76 yards by the offense. The run defense for Notre Dame, 35 carries for 172 yards, 4.9 yards per carry. 
They gave up a touchdown. They gave up the 95-yard touchdown drive in the fourth quarter that resulted in basically the game being put away. Ohio State, thanks to that long drive, took a 21-10 lead. That would be the final score. Now, credit the Notre Dame defense for this. They did not give up a lot of explosive plays. The longest run for Ohio State last Saturday was just 16 yards. It was more of a methodical run game by Ohio State. Here's Freeman on the importance of the run game and also you got to stop the run. Yeah, I think they did a really good job of of trying to stop the run until that last quarter, right, in the last, you know, 16 minutes of the game. Um, I thought they did do a good job defensively of stopping the run and, and, you know, make Ohio State do some other things. And so, you know, I'm proud of the way they did it. And you look at the last drive of 95 yards and the execution, it was it was you know, accumulation of missed tackles, accumulation of uh, misfits. And, and you know what? They got a really good offensive line and a really good, two really good running backs. And so, you know, you have to give credit to them and their execution of when they decided at the end of the game, say, we're going to run the ball. They did a good job of it. And, and we have to be better. You know, when a team says, hey, we're going to run the ball and try to run the clock out and, and uh, we got to be able to step up and, and get a stop. And so, um, again, I don't want to overlook the first three quarters and how they they stopped the run, but we got to, you know, really focus on when it matters most. Do we execute our game plan offensively? You know what? I, I there was points in the game where we did run the ball really well, and it was good to see Audric and and even uh, Logan Diggs and and then Chris Tyree on some perimeter runs, and and we were moving the ball at times, but not at a consistent basis that we want to, and so. You know, the ability to do them both, right, is be able to run the ball and, and then, you know, be able to expose some, some areas in the pass game is something that we have to do. We were pretty balanced for the game. Uh, I think it was almost 50-50 in terms of runs and passes. Um, you know, we didn't have a whole bunch of plays on offense, which was kind of by design, period, to shorten the game. That's what we wanted to do going into the game is shorten the game. And, uh, you know, as we continue to move forward, we want to continue to establish the run, but also make sure that we exploit some holes in the pass game. That's Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman discussing the run game and stopping the run. Let's continue with the offensive conversation. The wide receiver position, how many times have we talked about all the question marks there since the Fiesta Bowl when Kevin Austin left for the National Football League early? Probably not the right decision, but he jumped to the pro ranks and was cut by the Jacksonville Jaguars. The wide receiver position has very limited experience especially with Avery Davis going down with an ACL injury in August you're down to the really experienced players being Braden Lindsay and the former walk-on Matt Salerno you've got Joe Wilkins more of a reserve wide receiver and then you've got the sophomore class of Lorenzo Styles, Jaden Thomas, Dion Colsey and then freshman Tobias Merriweather. It looks like Salerno's their best deep threat. It's hard to believe that it's not Lorenzo Styles, but Salerno down the field made that great juggling catch on the deep fade for 31 yards. I think the one thing from the Ohio State game that surprised me, now granted, I knew they were going to run the football. I knew they were going to try to milk the clock. Passing opportunities were going to be limited. But for Lorenzo Styles, a guy with this terrific superpower speed to only be targeted two times in the game is is really hard to comprehend 
First play of the game, made that great catch and scampered 54 yards for a first down. Then he was not targeted again until early in the third quarter, and that was it. Two targets. Is there an end around, a jet sweep? Is there a way to get creative to get him the football? Because truly, outside of Michael Mayer, you could argue the next best weapon for Tyler Buckner is Lorenzo Styles. But only two targets in the game. In fact, the wide receivers did not get many looks. Styles had two. Lindsey with four. And he made a great catch on a first down throw, 32 yards. Matt Salerno had one catch. He was targeted one time. And Jaden Thomas, who the coaching staff praised during fall camp, made a big jump. He was targeted one time and did not record a catch. How good are these guys? We're going to have to find out. We got the sense that Tobias Merriweather, not in the equation right now, still has work to do. So at least as of now, probably not a guy that will be a major contributor or even a minor contributor in the most important part of games. Maybe in mop-up duty we'll see him out there, but it sure does not seem like in the competitive nature of games, at least for now, we will see Tobias Merriweather. So... It is Styles, Lindsey, Salerno, Thomas. Colsey is still banged up. He is not 100%, so that limits you even more. So let's get an evaluation of the wide receiver position after the Ohio State game from Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman. Yeah, I think, again, from my direction down was, hey, I want to establish the run. And I want to be able to control the clock. And, and but as you looked at the, you know, the numbers, it still was was pretty even in terms of, um, you know, runs versus passes. I mean, we were pretty consistent in terms of how, um, you know, even we were and balanced we were as an offense. You know, and, and again, they're, for the most part, you talk about young guys. You know, Braden Lindsay's been here for a while. Matt Salerno um, has been here, but hasn't played much meaningful minutes. Um, as a wideout in the past. And so it's a young group that has to continue to develop. Um, they have talent, but we got to develop them. And, and then we got to execute. It still comes down to execution. You know, you got Lorenzo Styles, it's 10 to 7, um, and it's first down, and we take a shot when he's in the slot, and we miss. And, and is it the route? Is it the ball? It's just all different areas that we got to improve at. Um, you know, Tyler's got to continue to make better decisions. Everybody's got to continue to improve, but um, it's an area that we have to continue to utilize. You know, I know going in that game, I said, we've got to establish a run. And that's always going to be my mindset. Because to me, establishing the run can open up the pass game. And so um, that's, that's going to be important. But we have to continue to grow. Those guys got to continue to mature. We've got to continue to protect for the quarterback. You know, we got a young offensive line. People, you know, let's not confuse Blake Fisher. Blake Fisher started, what, three games? Joe Waltz started seven games, you know. You got Zeke Carell, but then you're missing Jarrett Patterson. You know, Josh Lugg has played some, but we're young still on that offense side of the ball. And I thought really for what I asked as the head coach our offense to do and Coach Reese to do, and, and I really was happy with the way we executed um, really until that fourth quarter where man, we, we didn't do what we needed to do on either side of the ball, on special teams either. Well, a couple of things. First off, Marcus was talking how balanced they were against Ohio State. Let's keep in mind Notre Dame ran it 30 times and threw it 18 times, so that's not an overly balanced football team. 
if you have confidence in your quarterback, you're going to throw more in this game. If you have Joe Montana, John Elway, if you have Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers, you're probably not going to hand it off 30 times and throw it 18 times. There, a part of this storyline is first-time starting quarterback. They did not want him to turn it over, put the defense in a tough spot. You know what? Buckner did not turn the football over in the game. And when they took shots on first down, they had some success. You might recall Styles on the first play of the game. And then later on in the ball game, Lindsey on first down made that very nice catch. So those two plays went for 86 yards, using the pass on first down. But then there was a stretch of the game. Eight of nine first down plays. They ran the football, and Ohio State obviously knew what Notre Dame was trying to do. So what about Coach Freeman's confidence level in Tyler Buckner, his starting quarterback? First collegiate start in that type of environment and in that type of game, um, I was really pleased. I think at one point in the first half, um, Tyler was, I wrote it down here, I don't know, even eight of eight of eight of eight, but like eight of ten in the first half, something like that. I mean, he did. I mean, that's really good. And they had sent me some number for a QB rating. I don't know much about QB rating, so I told him I can't use that. Um, but I was really pleased. And and the other thing is zero turnovers, you know, and the plays he was able to make with his legs. And and he got beat up now. I mean, and we knew going in that game we were gonna have to run Tyler Buckner. Um, that's not our plan every week, but we knew that game in order to try to establish maybe some run game, we we're going to have to run him a little bit. And, and he got hit, and he continued to um, get up and keep going. And they said on the sidelines that he was the leader. He was getting guys going and positive. And, I mean, we got ourselves a quarterback, and uh, there's a strong belief in what he can do for this football program. Now we'll see what Tyler Buckner looks like with back-to-back home games against Marshall and California, you would expect Buckner to use that arm a little bit more than his legs in these two games. Buckner against Ohio State started 8 of 8, ended 10 of 18 for 177 yards, no touchdowns, no picks, sacked three times, and the sacks take away from your rushing numbers 11 carries, 18 yards for Tyler Buckner. So that's a look at the Irish offense from last week and looking ahead to Tomorrow's opponent, the Thundering Herd from Marshall. Once again, 2.30 kickoff here on WSBT Radio. Pre-game coverage starts bright and early at 8 a.m. Coming up next, we'll talk some Notre Dame football with Blue and Gold Illustrated's Notre Dame football beat reporter Tyler Horka. That's next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This weekend. There's no such thing as a moral victory. We didn't we didn't win. We didn't finish the game. We didn't execute. Um, I think we found out we got a good football team. We got a good, we got a tough, we got a football team. We got to learn how to finish. And uh, that's ultimately what happened in the game. Battle, battle for three and a half, four, uh, two and a half quarters. Um, and then they score one 17 seconds before the half, before the third quarter. And then we don't respond and they go and score again in the fourth quarter. And that's the game. That's really the game. Like, we didn't finish. We got to be able to finish when it matters the most, and uh, that's ultimately what costs us. So we got a lot to learn from from this game. Um, the beauty of this thing is, I just told the group in the locker room, we don't have to wait 245 days. We're able to. We got seven days for another opportunity, so uh, we got to get back to work. That was Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman. 
post game Saturday night after losing to Ohio State 21 to 10. Execution and finish were two of the key words in the post game from Freeman and the players that were allowed to talk to the media Saturday night. Welcome back to Weekday Sports Beat brought to you by Budweiser on this Labor Day. We are live at 532. I'm Darren Pritchett, joined by my Game Day Sports Beat co-host and, of course, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated. A lot of post-game coverage right now at blueandgold.com and also already starting to look ahead to Saturday's opponent, Marshall. Well, Tyler, thank you for joining me on this holiday. Greatly appreciate your time. You know, I I agree with Marcus to an extent, but I also disagree. There was a lot of focus on finish, finish, finish. And I look throughout the football game, I just think there were a lot of missed opportunities for this squad. Defensively, I couldn't ask for much more except for that 95-yard drive. They gave this team every chance to win the football game. It just was offensively. Tyler, it looked like a football team that knew they were going on the road, hostile environment, and they had a first-time starting quarterback, and they just weren't ready to put the offense in fifth gear yet. Your thoughts on the way the Irish attacked the game offensively? I agree with that. There was really only that one drive, the 10-play, 87-yard drive, where you sat there and said, man, Notre Dame looks pretty good offensively the rest of the game. I mean, whether it was the play calling, which I know everyone wants, you know, Tommy Reese questioned and looked at, but I don't think it was the play calling as much as it just was guys weren't making plays. It, it yep. starts up front with the offensive line, obviously. There were a ton of blunders, but you know, even with the offensive line and some of the mistakes that those guys made, I went, I went back and rewatched the game. I'm actually in the process of doing that right now. We'll have an article at com about the offensive line play specifically, but in watching the offensive line play after play while I went back, I saw tight ends, Michael Mayer included, Kevin Bauman included, running backs, Estime, Tyree, Diggs, you know, the whole lot of them miss blocks. And when you miss blocks, and like you said, you have a first-time starting quarterback, the entire play is thrown off kilter. It's going to look ugly. We saw a lot of ugly throws from Tyler Buckner, especially in the second half, because the play was – Thrown, up, thrown for a loop from the very start. So everything has to be clicking, especially when you have a guy who has never started a game, and especially when you're playing in an environment like that, and it wasn't. So when you go back to Marcus Freeman's buzzword, finish, I, I don't even really think they were in a position to finish. Okay, yeah, yep. they were winning 10-7 10, 10 late in the third quarter, and you were like, they still have a chance. But who really thought, even at that point, that you know all, all Notre Dame had to do was finish? at that point and, and get it over the finish line. There was an entire quarter left to play, and obviously at the end of that third quarter as well, and C.J. Stroud did his thing. He finished. Notre Dame wasn't even in a position to finish because there was still a lot of game left, and they had wasted so many opportunities, like you said, Darren, in the first 40 minutes that you just kind of felt that those were going to come back to bite, and they did. Rather than talking about play calling, here's two things I left the football game questioning. And the second one, I'm really looking forward to your answer because you're going to be able to answer something those of us watching on TV couldn't. So I'll save that for a second. But the first of two things I left this football game concerned about, number one, the interior of the Irish offensive line, including the center position. 
I don't like to jump to conclusions, but there was a point in the game Saturday night where I said, when Jared Patterson comes back, I'm not quite sure if the best solution isn't him to go back to the center position. So I'm not going to pile just on the center. I thought there were breakdowns along the offensive line. What's your takeaway on what was supposed to be a strength of this football team? It leaked a few holes, I think, on Saturday against a really good Ohio State front. I totally agree with you, and I'm going to direct everybody to my Twitter, at TB Orca. <laughs> the first thing that I want everybody to do is always go to blueandgold.com, first stop for your Notre Dame news. But if you look, I'm looking at it right now. Nine minutes ago, as I said, I'm, I'm re-watching the game right now. Nine minutes ago, I tweeted a video of Zeke Carell snapping the ball back to Tyler Buckner and just kind of standing flat-footed. Yep. Josh Lug probably could have picked up this defensive tackle on a block as well, but both of those guys, like you said, they're interior offensive linemen. They let a, a pass rusher straight through to Tyler Buckner. Last year it would have been a sack. Jack Cohn would have been sacked. Mm-hmm. Somehow Tyler Buckner evaded the tackle, got back to the line of scrimmage, but that was just one instance of, to me, there were many. I, I might, uh, and I'm, I'm going to post this article in the morning on Tuesday morning, like I told everybody, but I think there might be, a handful, maybe more instances where you can just look at the Notre Dame offensive line and say to yourself, how did that happen? Why did that happen? That shouldn't be happening if this is the offensive line that we built up so much over the offseason with Harry Eastand coming back. If I'm saying all of this watching the film back, (laughs) I guarantee you Harry (laughs) Eastand is looking at it saying, how in the world did we let some of these guys get through like that? Because, I mean, they're, they're untouched you have got to at least put a hand on these guys. And that, that should be the very least. They should be manhandling some of these guys, even if they are very talented, highly recruited guys that Ohio State has. So, yeah, I, I left thinking the same thing. Uh, you know, the interior of the offensive line, especially, did not look very good against Ohio State. And for people that did not hear today, Jared Patterson still listed as questionable by Fighting Irish head coach, Marcus Freeman. Now to the second thing that concerned me, and this is harder to analyze while you're watching on TV. You're at the game. You're in the press box. I know you're watching a million things, but I just want to get your insight. You look at the targets in the game. Now, granted, Buckner only threw 18 times, but wide receivers were not targeted very much. First play of the game, Styles makes the catch, goes 54 yards. You're thinking, holy cow. But the rest of the game, Styles had one more target the rest of the game, which I have a hard time believing that should be reality. But let's throw that aside. In your estimation, Lindsey, Thomas, Styles. Were you seeing any separation by them against those Ohio State defensive backs? Did Buckner have many ways to go with the football because receivers weren't targeted? And I'm just wondering, was part of that their inability to get separation? The short answer, absolutely. It was a big part of why the Notre Dame passing game looked the way it did. The second part of that is I think Tommy Reese was maybe a little handcuffed by the game plan. And Marcus Freeman, even today during his Monday press yep. conference, came back in and said the game plan was executed. We wanted to run. We ran the ball a lot. If you look at the distribution, I think it was 30 runs, 18 passes. So right there, you're looking at only 18 opportunities to throw the ball to any of those wide receivers. And then you, you look at the targets, as you've all obviously done. Michael Mayer has eight of those. So that's almost half the targets going to one guy. And if you're going to target somebody – Eight times, it's probably going to be Michael Mayer. But 
if you're looking at it from a sample size perspective, that's only 10 opportunities where you're throwing to anybody else. And I think uh, Tyree might have got a catch. Obviously, Kevin Bauman was looked at a couple of times and made a catch. But all of a sudden, you're looking at, you know, you have three to four wide receivers who you probably trust athletically to get the ball in their hands, but you're only giving them, you know, upward of like eight shots or eight looks to get the ball in their hands. And again, that goes back to the, the first part of your question. I think separation is a huge issue. I mean, when I look at these guys in practices, I, I see Lorenzo Styles, and I think there's no reason that guy shouldn't be targeted 10 times on a Saturday. Agreed. And he can make six to, six to eight catches. And whether that's slants, screens, you know, the quick routes, I don't think we're seeing enough of that. Again, that's partly play calling, but then again, Tommy Reese is a little bit handcuffed by what they wanted to do. So cohesion, just overall offensive, I don't want to say game plan, because obviously the game plan was to run, but just the way that they went about attacking the Ohio State defense, it became clear that they weren't going to be able to run all over Ohio State like they wanted to, but then they really didn't turn to a quick passing game to kind of mitigate that and get the ball out of Tyler Buckner's hands quickly either. So that's why you saw an offense fall flat, I mean totally flat, in the second half of that ball game, and it cost them. Blue and Gold Illustrated's Notre Dame football beat reporter, Tyler Horka, live here on WSBT Radio. Darren Pritchett with you on this Labor Day. It did not help Tommy Reese's cause, the field position, in this football game. I mean, they were in some miserable spots. They started on their 15, 5, 25, 13, 5, 21, 29, 12, 13, 25. Again, with a first-time quarterback, that's not exactly how you want it drawn up. But that was what they were dealing with. And part of that had to do, Tyler, with less than special special teams. This has become known as kind of fair catch you with all the fair catches on punt returns. But even when they tried to return kickoffs, there was not a lot of running room. Xavier Johnson caught the touchdown pass to put them in front. Then he made the ensuing tackle on the kickoff inside of the 20-yard line. So with the changes on special teams, boy, it didn't turn out to be a special night. And don't you think that had a lot to do with what Reese could do play-calling-wise, where they started a lot of these drives? Oh, absolutely. And it's honestly a miracle that Notre Dame led the game at halftime because I think the field position thing got a little better probably early third quarter. Notre Dame actually started with great field position on its first drive of the third quarter. But early on, those – those two five-yard situations where they started at the five-yard line twice, that, those were both in the first half. They moved the ball out of there, I think, both times to, to give John Stott a, at mm-hmm. least a little bit of room. I don't think he ever really punted from his end zone. But in terms of what that does to an offense, absolutely. You never want to start with you know, your backs backed up to the goal line, especially in a hostile environment like that. And I can speak to that. Boy, was it rocking in there. And Notre Dame quieted that for a little <laughs> bit. But when the place wanted to get loud, it got very loud. So the field position was definitely an issue. And I go back to the very first kickoff of the game where I think Chris Tyree caught it in a decent spot. The, the kickoff specialist for Ohio State kind of cornered him a little bit. You never really want to – he cornered him and Tyree stayed on the short side of the field, which probably isn't a smart move. But if that's where the way the blocking set up, then that that's probably a special teams thing to think about for Notre Dame going forward as well. But I think he got stuffed inside the 20. Maybe it was closer to the 15. And that'll give a home team a lot of momentum and a lot of confidence when you are kicking off and you are in those situations where you're punting and kicking off to gun down those guys, go down there as the gunners and make tackles. And I think we saw it consistently. And it all kind of stemmed from that very 
opening kickoff of the game because I speak of it getting very loud in there. That was honestly one of the loudest points when Ohio State went down and stuffed Tyree on the kickoff, and it was kind of like a, well, Notre Dame, you're in our house now, and we're going to play our ball, and uh, special teams-wise, it it definitely kind of played out that way. Tyler, I want to talk defense for a moment, and as I mentioned in the opening segment, even to you, the defense was outstanding, give up 21 points, more than you could have asked for. I know fans are frustrated on the touchdown that gave Ohio State the lead, third down and 11 for Ohio State at the Notre Dame 24-yard line. Notre Dame had kept their safeties back most of the night wisely, trying to keep the ball in front of them, avoid those explosive plays. Well, the Irish got aggressive on that third down and 11 play and brought a double safety blitz. And what do you know? The safeties come. They don't get to the quarterback. They start too late. It looked like they were too far back. And the throw goes right over the top of them for a touchdown, and Ohio State takes the lead. Marcus Freeman was asked about that play call today, and here was his response. No, we, we, it was right before timeout. And we had a timeout, and I remember Coach Golden said, hey, do you guys like whatever the call was, and it was a zero pressure, and I agreed, everybody else agreed, and, you know, you look at the execution of that play, it's not the call, you know, it's third and 11, um, we had said going to the game, we either, you know, we had a plan for third down, and one of those plans was to be able to bring six, and be able to play a zero pressure, we had not run that all game, and we said, okay, here's a good time for it, and you know, the execution of it wasn't where we wanted. The safeties were a little bit too late. We had a guy drop out when he probably should have been going. You know, we got to get inside leverage with the nickel. And, you know, you got a freshman in that big moment. And, you know, if we could, again, go back and do it over again, I wouldn't change the call. Probably just change the way we communicate and the execution of it. But, um, man, that was a heartbreaker. And, and, you know, obviously changed the tide of the game. All right, let's talk our way through this. Tyler, I'll say this. On Twitter when the play happened, I asked immediately, why was that call okay? I wasn't being critical. I just wanted to hear the other side of it. Why in that moment you would bring both safeties after playing the game the same way throughout most of the night. You're opening the door for a big play if you don't get to the quarterback. Hey, it's risk-reward when you blitz extra bodies. I totally get that. But i got to admit this. I didn't like the call at the time, not saying it wasn't the right call, wasn't a big fan of it. But I hated the call after hearing that comment from Marcus Freeman today. And here's why. That call came after a timeout. They were on the sideline as a unit. They could have talked about what needed to happen on that double safety blitz to make sure everybody was on the same page. And he just went through a laundry list of things that went wrong on the play. How the hell does that happen after you have all the players on the sideline knowing what's coming. That's why I'm disappointed about the execution. How can you not go over every small little detail in that opportunity on the sideline? Well, there's actually one thing that you said before you went on that little rant, which is a very good rant, by the way. Uh, I don't hear you get worked up too often, but this is something that definitely warrants getting worked up. But you said this is, and Marcus Freeman said it himself as well, this is something that Notre Dame hadn't done all night to this point. Here you are in the late third quarter. You have a lead. Your defensive game plan has obviously been working because Ohio State, possibly the best offense in the country, has only scored seven points to this point. And then you roll out something that you had not done all night. Obviously, you had success without doing this all night, and it doesn't work. If you look at the other side of the ball, as I've said multiple times here, I've been going through Notre Dame's offensive possessions. Jim Knowles rushed six 
I'm not even halfway through the third quarter right now, and I'm pretty sure I've counted three to five instances where Jim Knowles has rushed six, and usually it ends up working because I think he found a weakness in that offensive line, and he went at it. Notre Dame had no idea that this was this was the guinea pig rush six for Notre Dame. This was We don't know if it's going to work, but if it does, it's, it's really going to work. You don't do that on third and 11 when you have the lead in a game that you've been playing lights out defensively. So I, I agree. Uh, I, I think at the time I thought it was a terrible decision. I think it's a terrible decision now. Usually that's the way it goes with safety blitzes. If it works, a safety gets to the quarterback and you're saying, wow, this was a great idea by the defensive coordinator and the, and the head coach. They knew that this pressure was going to get there. I don't think they knew that this pressure was going to get there. If they were doing this, to call a different look for the sake of simply calling a different look, well, it didn't work, and it backfired. You lost the lead on that play, and you never got it back the rest of the game. One more question for you, Tyler, as we start to wrap up our conversation. This actually caught me off guard today. Again, watching on TV, it's a little different than being at the game, but Patrick Engel, your colleague at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, always comes up with the number of snaps each player had in the football game. And I was going through today, and one position really stood out. And I don't know if you thought the same thing or not, but you were at the game, so I'm going to throw this at you. Unless I missed something, I was shocked to see in the ball game at the safety position, Brandon Joseph played 45 snaps, Ramon Henderson 30, DJ Brown 32, Griffith 33, Watts with 6. So I guess I'm surprised Joseph would even leave the field. Yeah, and I know the expectation is the Kyle Hamilton sort of thing where you've got a unicorn, so you've got to leave him on the field at all times. I don't know if Brandon Joseph is in that vein. Okay. In that, you know, he, he, he's not six. And this, I'm not speaking athletically or as a football player. It's just that he's not 6'4". He's, he's not a guy that other defenses never see and – you can't really prepare for because even your scout team, your tech scout team defenses definitely don't have a guy like that. I think he's a, just another guy in a rotation that probably needs to come off the field here and there. Now, is he the best safety that Notre Dame has to offer? Absolutely. I think he was flying around the field, made that what I would call a questionable hit on Jackson Smith and Jigba, and that kind of changed the course of his rest of the game. But I do think he's a guy that needs to come out now. Did he need to come out that much? Probably not. But I think Notre Dame fell into a comfort factor with the way it was rotating. You never really saw Ohio State take the top off of the defense, even when Brandon Joseph was off the field. So the more that that became the case and the more that Marcus Freeman and Al Golden could see that Joseph could come off the field and things weren't going to go haywire, they did it a little bit more. And, you know, that was probably the toughest test that Notre Dame is going to face from an air-it-out standpoint until maybe the final game of the regular season against USC. So I think Joseph is going to be a guy that rotates quite a bit, definitely more than Kyle Hamilton. I don't know. It's kind of ironic for me to bring up Hamilton because I'm the guy that always says we shouldn't compare him to Hamilton, but I just <laughs> kind of want to hammer that point home that, you know, Joseph is a little different of a player. Is he a great player? Absolutely. But he's going to come off here and there too. What would you like to talk about? Things that are happening at blueandgold.com this week. Yeah, definitely go check out that article that I've been plugging a little bit in this interview tomorrow morning. If you want to see exactly what the Notre Dame offensive line did play after play against Ohio State, I am going to have gone through all of those plays by the end of the night. It'll be up tomorrow morning. 
We've got a Marshall preview going up tomorrow morning. You mentioned Patrick Engel. He does an excellent job. We're going to have coverage throughout the week leading up to Marshall. We're kind of in a groove right now. This is, this is our season groove, and we're going to cover Notre Dame like nobody else covers Notre Dame. So football season is in full swing. Go to blueandgold.com if you want to read all things Notre Dame. Very good, Tyler. Thank you so much for your time, your analysis, and I will talk to you Saturday with Game Day Sports Beat presented by Mikkel Bolter, which is 11 to one thirty from the stadium this week. And so looking forward to that. Have a good week. All right, that's a birthday edition of uh, the Game Day show, by the way. That's my birthday, and uh, no better place than to spend it at a football stadium all day, and, and I say that wholeheartedly. All right, all right. Well, happy birthday in advance, and hopefully we have a nice weather day and a good football day here in South Bend. That's a that's a long work day for your birthday, though. Someone's going to have to maybe buy a little dinner or something after the game to celebrate. Yeah, we'll probably have to wait till like, Sunday afternoon because <laughs> if this last weekend was any indication, I'll I'll be up pretty late. I, I, I'm thankful it's a 2.30 kick. Let's just say that. I'm with you there. Tyler, have a great week. We'll talk to you Saturday. All right. Looking forward to it, Darren. Thanks. You bet. Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, a boatload of coverage from the Ohio State game available right now. There's already starting to work in all that conversation about the Marshall game, so check it out at blueandgold.com. The final segment for tonight's Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat comes your way next on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at wsbtradio.com and the WSBT Radio app. You can listen to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now... Back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. Sports Beat presented by our title sponsor, Budweiser, the King of Beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. By Legacy Heating and Air, Cook family business. Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana, September is Hunger Action Month. How will you choose to help end hunger? Learn more at feedindiana.org. Midland Engineering Company beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, or new beginnings have happy endings. And by the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. If you would like to catch some high school football, join me right now on our sister station, 96-1 the ton, the second-ranked Mishawaka Cayman on the road to take on Goshen kickoff in just a couple of moments. Have a great evening. We're all set for Notre Dame football tomorrow. Once again, our pregame coverage starts at 8 a.m. with a replay of the Marcus Freeman Show. We have kickoff at 2.30. And after the game, the official Notre Dame football postgame show on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT South Bend. Hey, everyone.
everyone. Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 